Welcome to Living Lit, where conversations spark inspiration to live in truth. Journey together with us to explore what it means to live a liturgical life and walk in the truth of our faith. Let's instill a culture in our hearts, homes, families, and world, living a life cooperating with and walking alongside our Lord. I'm Robin Brueggemann. Let's be a light, share the light, shine the light, and live lit. In this week's episode, I have the very special Father J.P. Morgan from the Cathedral. Father, will you introduce yourself to our listeners? I certainly will. Thank you, Robin. Um, I am Father James Morgan. I am the rector of the Cathedral. I'm in my ninth year as rector. Uh, born and raised in the little but um, faithful town of Ipswich, South Dakota, from Holy Cross Parish. Um, do you want to know any more about that? I ordained a priest in 2001, um, so I had another life before I became a priest. Uh, ordained at 40 years old, um, and uh, associate at Holy Spirit in Sioux Falls. Then I was at the Newman Center in Aberdeen for two years. Westport also, Sacred Heart at Aberdeen. And then pastor Holy Spirit for 10 years, and now I'm here mm-hmm. at the cathedral in my ninth year. And um, it's a busy, busy place. A lot going on. You have an active life. I, think so. I do have a very active life. Yep. Yeah. And um, we have known you in your active life since you were yeah. a baby priest, since That's you right. were first ordained and you were um, baptized by Julia. And then you had the honor of celebrating at her wedding. I did. So, yes. so and that's you for a long time. That's the beauty of being a priest, right? Yes. You baptize them and you give them First Communion. They're confirmed, God willing, if you marry them. Um, that's what a spiritual father is supposed to do, yeah. to do all those things. Yeah. So and that's a, I think that's probably the greatest joy of priesthood is celebrating those type of moments, those intimate Sacraments moments. Sacraments especially, yes. Absolutely. So we have you on today because you are going to talk to us about candles and what bees have to do with Mass. We have an mm. upcoming feast day, which is Candlemas, on February yeah. 2 in the church, and then the um, blessing of throat, St. Blaise Day, is February 3. That's right. Um, but I love any time our faith and our church has, and it almost always does, there's more going on beyond, be behind what you see at Mass and in the sacraments. There's so much intentionality and purposefulness, and there's definitely that with candles. So will you tell us about, um, I would love for you to tell us about the use of candles. Like, why do we use candles so much at Mass with the sacraments? What do bees have to do with with Mass? We have a lot of candles right here in front of us, by the way, and and behind us too, by the Statue of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Well, candles are, go back into ancient, ancient times. Um, First of all, uh, you think of the light piercing the darkness and we hear uh, those words spoken so much in, in sacred scripture, the light piercing the darkness. And we are, you know, in the beginning of Genesis right away, right? God, um, and God said, let there be light. And there's so many different meanings, as you just mentioned, this intentionality of the church, the, the, the metaphors, um, um, the analogies, you know, the allegories behind um, all the words and definitions and meanings. And so candles, uh, get, it's something that goes way, way back in ancient time um, to light the darkness. And then, you know, they have a very sacred um, presence about them. And so they've always been used in in religious ceremonies and for religious rites. Um, and we know that uh, just going to mass, we see candles lit all the time. 
on the altar, they stand for something. You know, the light stands for the presence of something that is real um, and has substance. And in the case of the mass, when we see the candles lit on top of the of the altar, the real presence and the substance of Jesus is there on the altar, and that's what they want to indicate or symbolize. So it's always symbolic of the light of Christ, the light of God, um, the light of God's mercy and forgiveness, you know, piercing the darkness of sin. So bees, though, and candles. Um, you know, candles have been made out of many different substances over, over hundreds and hundreds of years. And um, to develop the perfect candle has been an ongoing project throughout history. Um, and I'm happy to say, and I brought this up in mentioning uh, the parish that I grew up in, my home parish of Holy Cross in Ipswich, South Dakota, that they developed, and I'm going to say this, the perfect candle. We're famous for developing the perfect candle at all these in the Sioux Falls Diocese. <laughs> and um, there is a candle company in Ipswich, um, which actually developed and perfected the 100% beeswax candle called Lux. Actually, in Latin, the word would be pronounced Lux, which means light, mm -hmm. run by the Heinz family, um, along with Father Frederick Borman uh, back in the 1930s uh, when they needed something to help pay for all their bills. Um, the Heinz family and Father Borman developed um, the 100% beeswax candle to a perfection. Not that it hadn't been tried before, but they they developed it uh, to a perfection. They even developed, you see this glass fowler. Yes, they even developed that in patent those at one time. Yeah. And then uh, uh, sold the patent, I believe, or gave the patent up. Um, but they, I mean, they, they tested this stuff in, uh, my understanding is that they would go into the bathroom um, of one of the Heinz families and, and, and test the candles in the bathtub yeah. to see if they could burn, how they could burn. Um, Lux Candle Company uh, sends candles around the world. Yeah, and so you. So I was at the North, yeah, so I was at the seminary at the North American College, and um, I was the head sacristan there. And and you'd think, you know, like in Rome and Italy, that they would have candles perfected. They had the mm -hmm. best candles in the world. Um, I, I, my experience is, no, they, they didn't. They, they don't have really, they didn't have really good candles at all. So a lot of paraffin candles that um, I would have to chip away at um, weekly to get the, the the wick exposed so that we could use them for mass. And finally, I just I, I thought you know I'm going to see if we can actually get candles. If I can convince the um, uh, the 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 priest overseeing the sacristy, um, the faculty member, to get us to be able to uh, order candles for the Lux candle in all the way from all of the South Dakota. <laughs> and um, he gave me permission, um, and uh, we brought him in. And of course, being the perfect candles they are, um, they were uh, you know accepted uh, and and just uh, they were raved about. Mm -hmm. So my understanding is to this day, so uh, that was um, 1998, 99, 2000, when I was in a seminary in North American College in Rome, uh, that they're still using Lux candles to this day. 100% beeswax candles that burn. Uh, oh, I'm doing an advertisement for a lot, but they burn cleanly, and they also take they they burn uh, efficiently. 
Yeah. So yeah. they can, you know, like what did I It's like a half inch or an inch and for four hours or something like that. Yeah. Which is important when you go through a lot of candles. When you go through a lot of candles, um, you want an efficient candle. Catholics or especially used, used in liturgy or the sacraments. And um, I would guess that some of these right here are from Lux Candles. I was thinking that when I yeah, saw them get the little glass these, things these, out yeah, and the like base. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so, I'm getting a nod over there from that direction. So the diocese um, has the Bishop's Bulletin, which is fantastic, a publication they put out monthly. Correct. And a few months back, they did an article where um, Father Tim Smith um, partnered with them and did an article about the Luke's Candle Company. So we will connect that to this video so people can read more about what you're talking about. Because yeah. it is so interesting and all yeah. the way from Ipswich, and it's in our diocese. So it's so neat. So, yeah. why by the way, Mike and Doug, I'll take a royalty off of this program. <laughs> yeah, maybe right? you can start giving your candles for free at the <laughs> cathedral. <laughs> There'll be a discount. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but it's so neat because I'd run into you and we, um, quick share that I said, oh, I read about Lux Candles. You know, and you're like, yes, I do. I grew up with them. So, but why do we need beeswax? Why does the church say? So, I think, um, is it in the, is it, what do you call the rubrics or the sacristan? Yeah, the rubrics. Yeah. Which is the general the instruction of the Roman Missal. The so candles should be, it, it, actually, I think the rubrics say they have to be like 51% that's what I was thinking, yeah. beeswax. So uh, why is that, though? People are wondering, well, why does it matter? You know, that's a good question. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I think it has something to do with using the elements that God created. It's like using water for holy water. It's using all these things that we that we use uh, of God, of nature, of God's creation, that Jesus himself actually demonstrated when he went into the waters of the Jordan to be baptized, you know. It's not that he needed to be baptized, but he sanctified the waters from the Jordan and they just flowed there out. And so all the waters of the earth were sanctified. So it's this idea of of using the elements of God's creation in order to um, uh, use them in a sacramental way, in a sacramental manner. So yeah. as we call them, sacramentals, right? And Bless candles would be sacramentals, just like uh, bless metals, bless rosaries. Those, these are all sacramental. So yeah. I, I'm thinking that's why we would use that, because God created bees. Bees create beeswax, and beeswax makes great candles. They do. They do. They, so they, there's a reason they are practical, too, because they burn cleaner and more pure and um, more economical. So like, right. good. Um, so with the use of candles, so we, they're... The it's, a, it's a natural that. substance. Natural, yeah. That's what, yep. rather than yep. paraffin, it's a natural Absolutely. substance. Yep. Anything that natural that ties back to creation has that intentionality. So we use um, candles, of course, at mass in the sacraments, like you have mentioned. Um, the candles are blessed. So you mentioned they're right. sacramental, which right. is something like a physical object we can use or see that will draw us closer to the Lord. Correct. Right. Exactly. Um, so they these objects are generally blessed, and always at church if they're used at church for something related to church, like the sacraments, baptismal candles, um, holy candles, things exactly. of this nature. Yeah. Um, they are blessed. Um, so that means they're blessed by a priest. Mm -hmm. Why do they need to be blessed? Why can't we just have just normal candles that we buy from the yeah. store at church and then just put them up there? Why? What makes yeah. them special when they're blessed? Well, there's this idea that. Everything needs to be sanctified, you know. Um, everything needs to be made sacred, and especially when you're um, celebrating the religious rites, uh, Holy Mass, um, the sacraments, baptism. Um, you know, there's a candle that's given in, in, in baptism. Um, that you 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 everything is tied in and connected in a way that it makes sacred the sacred. Mm -hmm. To put it that way. So that's why we bless candles. We bless uh, other objects too. 
Um, it doesn't give them uh, any sort of a um, what, what, what I want to say a a special power, right? Like you know, magic. yeah, yeah, like it's a magical power. It's not the that's not the point. But the point is to it, it sanctifies the object, but it also sanctifies the person who's wearing it, or the person who looks at it, or the person who uh, you know, or the candle, whatever it's representing in terms of the sacrament, or like the celebration of mass. You know, it's a part of the sanctification of everything during the ritual during the, the celebration of a sacrament. Yeah. Um, and I really like the symbolism of candles, too, that um, you talked in the beginning about um, the light and the darkness. You know, Jesus is that light in the darkness, and um, Jesus is the light of the world. And I, I think um, anytime we see something that draws our hearts and our minds up mm-hmm. to the Creator, too, I think it's just such a—the symbolism with there. And and especially, like you say, if you're like holy candles, I mean, you don't have to have holy candles at home. We do, we right. do when we're in church, but in the home, we can bring blessed candles into the home, but they don't have to be. But the symbolism is still there. Right. But it's drawing our our exactly. minds and our hearts to our Creator, to our Lord, who is the light of the world. Um, and I love that symbolism too of how light pierces darkness, which candles do. You know, it's, it's dark. You light a candle, it dispels darkness. Exactly, it pierces that darkness, and that's what. Christ does. Christ yeah. is the light of the world, but he is the one that drives the darkness away. Yep. So I love that symbolism. Um, so it's the time of year when candles are traditionally blessed. So in the older days, it was very um, traditional where people would bring their candles to mass because they wanted their candles from home blessed yeah. so they could have these sacramentals to bring home to their domestic church, to their church, to their home. And they would show up with their candles because it was just traditional everywhere that they would just bring their candles to mass on that day. Now that tradition has kind of slipped away a little bit, but you know there's this like revival happening in the church where um, we're trying to bring back some of these practices so exactly. people can live and have the faith more in their homes. So February second is Candlemas Day on the Catholic Catholic Church calendar in the liturgical um, life of the church, and we still celebrate Candlemas regardless of if someone is like bringing their baskets of candles to mass. Yeah. You can still come to mass because the church in its intentionality is still celebrating that feast day. So will you tell us, and what I love, you and I talked earlier about how it's like the marrying of tradition, Jewish tradition, Mm -hmm. which is part of our Catholic roots, and then sacred scripture, Bible coming together. So will you tell us about the presentation? Yeah, yeah, you put it so well, you set it up so well. Um, Back to what you said before, you know, yeah, there's a growing trend to have candles blessed again. I mean, I was just thinking about what you were saying because you can bring candles in and, and have them blessed at any time. Right, right. And we do this a lot at the cathedral. Mm-hmm. People will bring in a box of votive candles or, or candles they're going to use in their house and they have them blessed. And I mean, they understand that, again, it's a blessed object. It represents um, our faith. It represents sanctity. It represents holiness of life. And that's what we're all to, to strive for. So uh, candle mass is a part of that, right? The presentation of the Lord. Um, it's, it's a, a feast day that, um, actually deserves more attention because of the meaning behind it. Um, so let me set it up in terms of the historical significance. So you have the presentation of the Lord 40 days after Christmas. Um, and this, uh, comes from the book of Exodus where, um, every firstborn will be presented to God, um, and given to God, uh, for God's service. And so, this is the idea of Jesus being presented in the temple. The um, uh, in the, uh, uh, the 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 old calendar, it was called the purification of Mary, yeah, because that was a part of the tradition too. 
Yeah. So, yes, exactly. So, and this is from Leviticus, where um, uh, wherever blood would flow, so blood being a very, very sacred, sacred element, um, of, with a, a physiological element in the body, um, it was more than just a, you know, a substance that, uh, that kept us alive. It, that actually had something very sacred to it. Um, that that had to be purified and cleansed and acknowledged and honored. And so Mary would go in for her purification out 40 days after the birth of Jesus. And, and then a part of that, uh, that ritual was that they had to make an offering to God. And so for those who are, who are affluent, it would, could be a lamb. Um, for those who were poor, it was a couple of turtle doves. And so Joseph and Mary presented a couple of turtle doves, according to um, Luke's gospel. Um, so it was, it was, it was one and the same sort of, of, of ritual, the purification of the blood, uh, that gave birth to Jesus. And then also the presentation of Jesus as the firstborn back to God. And so there's a lot of significance there. Um, it's a Christmas feast. People don't realize this, that the presentation of the Lord is actually a Christmas feast. So in the old calendar, you know, Christmas ran from the birth of Christ, and in fact, a lot of this was celebrated in one day on January 6th um, with Epiphany, and it ran 40 days to in the old calendar, February 14th. Now it's February 2nd because we go from we go from Christmas Day. But um, uh, so it was, and Christmas ran up until the presentation of the Lord because it's about it's about the the candle mass, the presentation still acknowledges and honors. Jesus as an infant. Yeah. That's the whole idea. Yeah. Um, and then Lent would begin. Yeah. Because it was, it was really walking the life of Christ. Exactly. During that time. Because um, his baptism was in there. Um, right. And all of that. And then the presentation, which then, so we can connect that tradition that Mary and Joseph would have brought Jesus to the temple, but also to purify Mary into scripture, where it is in the Bible right. of Simeon and yes. why we connect this light. So do you want to share that sure, part? Of the absolutely. Scripture? So if we know Luke's gospel, you know, um, the um, there's more than just the presentation of the Lord in that particular gospel. If you read through it, um, there's great prophecy that is made. And um, we learn at that moment that this, this baby, um, this Messiah, um, you know, the, 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 the light born into the darkness um, will have huge influence and huge consequences in, in the end throughout his life, but especially in the end. And so you have the prophet Simeon and the prophetess Anna. Um, Simeon who um, prophesies that, uh, that this, this light of the world, this Christ, this Messiah, will be the, um, the downfall, the upbringing and the downfall of many. And so, and a pure, and a sword will pierce your heart, as he tells Mary. So there we go. And um, it's not only a Christmas feast; then it leads us right into Lent and to Easter. That's the whole idea of of, of having it's like that this feast. turning point in the church year in the life of Christ. You have this collision, yeah. this collision course of Christmas, the birth of Jesus, the cradle, and the cross. Yeah. You know, so from Christmas into Lent and into Easter. So there's a great beauty there, there and. Uh, and you know, there's so many, um, so many different events in Christ's life are called the beginning of His ministry. You know, yeah. and and this is one of them. This is one of them. this is the beginning of His ministry. Yeah. So that, along with the baptism, you know, the beginning of His ministry, um, and other events, the the, the miracle, the wedding feast at Cana, mm-hmm. the be, beginning of Christ's ministry. Oh, so there's more than just one event right, right. 
given the Gospels and given that tie-in with um, sacred scripture and the and the prophecy of the Old Testament. You know, so Ex- Exodus and Leviticus are our um, our scriptural Old Testament scriptural references uh, for the feast day. Um, the fulfillment of those two um, laws or commandments of the Mosaic law, mm-hmm. and then um, Simeon's prophecy, which we know we have the was called yeah the, so we call this prayer the Nunc Dimittis, um, and um, it's prayed at compline, which is night prayer. So priests pray it every night before they go to bed, and it's a part of Simeon prophet uh, his prophecy. Nunc Dimittis stands for now you dismiss, O Lord. So this is the um, I'll read the translation from um, if I can find it from the Roman breviary here. Here it is. Now, Master, you let your servant go in peace. You fulfilled your promise. My own eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all peoples, a light to bring the Gentiles from darkness, the glory of your people, Israel. So that's where the whole idea of the light of the world, the light of Christ, candle mass comes from that one particular line, the light of the Gentiles has come into the darkness. How beautiful. It is. No, that shows the total intentionality that our Catholic faith take scripture, mixes it with tradition, the life of the Holy Family in this case, and brings it to life. And then our Jewish roots also in there, our Jewish roots. And then what the church does by celebrating these days, which it's celebrated every year, every year, every year. It is. But many people just aren't aware of it yet. But the church is like, hey, this is such a neat, important time in the life of Christ that we just have like this little holy pause and the church is celebrating this on this day. Agreed. It's when we bless candles, kind of in general. Um, mm-hmm. That was kind of the old thing. And it's because Jesus is the light of the world. And Simeon said that in scripture. So I love the connection that the church has made here. So it's one of those things where there's so much going on behind the candle. There is. Behind mass that day. That is just beautiful. Beautiful. I think almost every parish in our diocese has some ritual that they'll do. Some yeah. celebration tied to yeah. candle mass day. At the cathedral, you know, we will uh, we'll pull out some of our candles that we get from Lux, um, 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 a, a, a variety of the different candles that we use. We'll have them on a table, um, and then we'll bring the people out, you know, as they're coming for Mass. We'll ask them to come into the narthex. They'll have candles that we'll light, and then there's a whole blessing of candles. They're candles, and then the candles that we have there represent all of the candles that we use for the coming year in the cathedral, and we bless them, and then we have the procession of light into the church and, and then we begin mass. How beautiful. So um, people can attend mass on that today. Sure. It's a first Friday this year. First Friday. So we'll have, um, oops, I just hit my wife. Sorry. Adoration. You'll have adoration at the cathedral while you're adjusting your mic. They're, shake, you. they're shaking their finger. <laughs> um, but if somebody can't go to mass, you can so absolutely observe this day at home. You can, if you have the Catholic readings for mass, Read them or just pull them up, the daily readings for February 2, and you will get biblically what and scripture-based what is going on that day that the church is celebrating. And now if you're thinking, I want my candle blessed, then you can talk to a priest anytime. Grab them after Mass, um, give the parish office a call, and just say, hey, I have some candles I would like blessed for my home. And our priests would be so happy to do that because they really want to see you um, be able to bring the faith into your home, to live that more as a family. And My sacristy is now going to be full. Yeah, Father, Father, Father. Day. <laughs> but wouldn't you, you be so you. happy to see that lived yes. out? Um, yes, 
in people's homes. Um, did you have a thought that you were going to say just now? I was just say, you know, exactly right. I mean, if they can't make it to Mass, to read that gospel passage from Luke um, chapter 2, but to, to read that passage of the presentation of the Lord. And um, if you got a Magnificat, I mean, you can even actually, or, or some other um, uh, prayer book that has the Mass in it, they'll probably have the blessing of the candles they actually in it. Will. Yes, and you can read, read through it. that, yeah, and the beauty yeah. of those words. Yeah, and um, it's important to note that we as lay people, meaning not priests, not religious, we lay people cannot so much bless it. Well, I don't know. I'm assuming we cannot make it an actual, or can we? No, no. I mean, uh, you know, blessed objects have to be done by a priest by a or a priest. deacon. If, yes. if, I mean, technically speaking, um, I mean, you, you can do a personal blessing, generally upon a person like, you know, you bless your child before they go to right. bed. And so you invoke the name of the Lord. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's but, yeah. but for, for something that's something more technical than a priest or a deacon, or a deacon does our blessing. Yeah, so that's important. So now someone may be wondering, well, what would I do with a holy candle if I have some blessed? Now, I do want to point out, and this was back from, I taught baptism class for you like decades ago, remember? Like that's right. 30, that's 25, right. 30 years ago at Holy Spirit. Um, but everybody has a Catholic candle or their mom or their grandma has it because you received a blessed baptism candle at your baptism, every person, whether you're baptized as an infant, right, or in we, way, uh, you have a baptism candle, which most people have their mom or their grandma probably has them in a hutch stored away. I'm telling you. <laughs> Hi, Mom. Um, but, you know, um, <laughs> hello, Mother. We just, uh, Mother lives in, my mom lives in assisted living at uh, Nano Nago, which is a part of Mother Joseph Manor in Aberdeen. Mm-hmm. Um, when we moved here in July, um, we cleaned her things out, and guess what we found? Did you find your baptism? We found hers and my dad's baptismal candle. Oh my gosh! Both of them. Yep. That is so exciting. And mom, I still have them. I've got them. Have oh my gosh, that is so, so beautiful. So, so cool. And many people like go home up and they're like, "What do I do with this thing? Hang on to it. Hang on to it. Absolutely. If your kid's baptized, hang on to that thing." But what would you do with a blessed candle at home? Well, you could have it at meal times. You could have it. I know Spike's grandma. Light it on your baptismal day for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. On dinner. your baptism like birthday, that. and if you don't know what that is, call the parish you were baptized in. They will have the record of it. So celebrate that. Have them at meals. Um, Spike's grandma, I think, would light one like in storm storm time. Mm. Um, you can have them in sickness. Yeah. You could have them um, at parties. We on Candlemas, the number we do, Candlemas, the night of the presentation, we eat by candlelight. And that's what we've done for years oh um, to celebrate that feast day. And it's that's so easy. Tradition. You can get candles. We have these battery-operated ones just to show people, too. But we turn out all the electricity. All, not electricity. Shut the lights down. We still need electricity. Um, <laughs> then we're not that, not quite, maybe someday we'll be to like, okay, no electricity today. So we shut all the lights off and we eat by candlelight. And that's that beautiful reminder of it's, it's a special day in the church. It's a very special day in the life of Christ, of when we reflect on his life. But it's that reminder that Christ is the light of the world. And we light pierces the darkness. kids. The light pierces darkness, but Jesus is the light. If we have Jesus, we won't be in darkness. Just like the candles. That's like, you know, we're not going to be in darkness. Gosh, but there's beautiful. so many things a person could light candles for. And also wanted to try tying this connection to votive candles. So Catholic churches are known for having mm. little, little votive candles yes, stained. Exactly. And I think people wonder, well, why would I why would I do that? But do you know the meaning behind like whether we're lighting a votive candle at yeah. mass, after mass, or before mass, or just going into a Catholic church to light and with that prayer intention or at home, because we could have yeah. our own prayer intention light a holy candle. Right. Why would we do that? We're always taught as children, because um, we love lighting votive candles at Holy Cross, um, that when you light the candle, you kneel down and you say a prayer, and your prayer remains there. 
after you leave. But yeah, it, it's an intention of um, again, it's a sacred act. Um, but but it, it is a prayer. It, it, it's tied to that to to a prayer, a prayer intention, or intention that you have for someone. You light a candle for someone because you're thinking of them or you're praying for them. You light a candle because somebody may be sick or ill or going through some troubled times, um, and and uh, it and it represents them. It represents your intention to pray for them. It represents your desire for their goodness, you know, for their health and their welfare. Um, but yeah, I love the the idea that when I would walk out the door and I'd look back to see if my candle, votive candle, was still lit because I knew my prayer remained there. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And anytime I see the votive candles at mass in a little area, they're you know they're all stacked up. I just think, wow, just think of all those prayers that are being offered right up right now. That somebody had that prayer intention on their heart. They lit it for that intention for that person. And it's so neat. I encourage anytime anybody walks by those to just say, I Lord, I'm thing. praying for all these intentions and may they be answered according yeah. to your will. I do the same thing, Robin. I'll walk down the, after the masses, the middle aisle of the cathedral, I'll look to my left and look to my right and to see how many votive candles are lit. And yeah. for the most part, they're just like filled yeah. with, with, uh, lit, with lit votive candles. So, so that, another, another, that other symbolism there that yeah. the candle has, that connection raising our intentions. And I think uh, converts love this idea. <laughs> they like the whole idea of dipping their hand in the holy water and then you're explaining to them the meaning behind that. It reminds them, first of all, of their baptism, but then they make the sign of the cross. So they, they put the sign of the cross in holy water over the top of them. They like that, you know, because it's a tangible thing. And they like the whole idea of lighting a candle and saying a prayer. That really speaks to their heart. Again, it makes the sure. faith tangible and concrete. It does. It does. And I would encourage people. Um, I think that my youngest, Benedict, learned this. I think it was like an atrium in Catechesis of Good Shepherd when they light the candles, when the kids get to light them and they're teaching them how to light them with reverence and respect, um, which is also great for them being altar servers someday, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> but when you the, light al- them, the altar servers love lighting candles. Like, let me tell you what, that's what they like serving. That <laughs> and the incense. The they want to do the incense of the candle for sure. <laughs> this even um, encourage people when you light a candle just to be like you know what Jesus is the light of the world because that's what it all comes down to doesn't it Jesus is our light yeah exactly you have any other quick um, thoughts and about no this has and... been you've done, thank you so much you um, challenged me this is, today you challenged <laughs> me with all of this but um, I love talking about this I love talking about my own parish you do and, um, and candles are very uh, they have a unique uh, uh, place in our faith in the Christian faith, especially, I mean, not just with Roman Catholics, but if you look at the uh, the Byzantine Church and the Orthodox Church, and candles have always had a huge role in um, how we connect it to Scripture, how we connect it to um, our Lord, creation, um, and how we co- uh, connect it to Christ, the light of the world, the light within all of us. By yeah, right. That's right, from baptism, right? We got that plate, and that it's up to us to keep our, um, like at baptism, you say it's up to you to keep the, the parents, godparents, People in this child's life the keep burning. the light burning. That's right. So we need to tend to our own candle, keep it burning, but also the people that are responsible for you. It's like the gift of faith. The gift That's of faith. Right. Father, I love anytime we talk, and I appreciate you sharing your expertise in this and oh, your knowledge, right. and um, appreciate you, all you do for the diocese too. And we want to encourage people that you have not been to the cathedral. Come, come to the cathedral. It is so beautiful. It is worth a trip, whether you live in our diocese or not. And you and I did a video on making a pilgrimage to the cathedral a few years ago. So we, I'll link that so people can see the cathedral. Come down and visit us, please. It's your church. That's right. The Mother Church of the Diocese, so it's your church, too. Yeah. So 
thank you, Father, for all you do. And um, God bless you. Thank you. This has been wonderful. Well, I'm going to have you back again since it's so wonderful. Okay. I look forward to it. (laughs) All right. Well, until next time. Thanks, Father. God bless you. Thank you, Robin. God bless you. Thanks for joining us today. Remember to like, subscribe, and share Living Lit and reach out with topics you'd like tackled at livinglit at sfcatholic.org. And be the light, shine the light, share the light, and live lit.